Hello and welcome back to Tapping Into Crypto, the podcast for all things cryptocurrency. It has been another wild week in the world of crypto. And on this week's podcast, we are joined by Jasmine Starr. Now, if you don't follow her yet, Jasmine is an incredible photographer and business strategist who dropped out of law school and went on to become founder and CEO of the amazing company Social Curator, which is a social media marketing platform for business owners. She's been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, and ISC Magazine, along with so many others, and has her very own What is Crypto segment on her podcast. We're going to be chatting about all things NFTs and what it could mean for coaches and creators creators today. And whilst you're listening, if you're feeling inspired to join in, be part of the action, learn by doing. Our friends at SwiftX are offering you $10 worth of Bitcoin just for signing up and they have some of the best prices and lowest fees on an exchange. So head to the links in our show notes if you want to take advantage of that. Because whether you're a beginner, a Bitcoin veteran or just crypto curious, I am your host, Alicia Chapman, and this is Tapping Into Crypto. I could not be more excited. Thank you. So exciting, especially the topics that we're going to be covering today and your own personal experience with it. Now, for those that may have not found you yet, can you let us know a little bit about you and your background today? Absolutely. I am the very proud CEO of Social Curator. My husband and I co-founded this company five years ago. And what we do is we empower small business owners to market their business and get sales. So we provide a SaaS opportunity. This is going to be a platform for business owners to figure out how do I find my voice? How do I know what to say? How do I get the resources to market my business? And it is in this journey that I started discovering and just being made aware of what Web3 looks like. Now, when Web2 really hit the scene, I was a lot younger. I was not in the financial situation. I didn't even have a business at the time. I actually didn't get those like early conversations. I was completely out of those types of conversations. And so all of a sudden I started realizing that somewhere in between web two and web three, I started harnessing the power of what it meant to be a creator on web two and start a business on web two and then become a creative on web two. So a creator is different than a creative as well as it is as a business owner. And so all of a sudden these three kind of paths are intersecting at this really great opportunity for Web3. Now, I want to start the conversation by letting everybody know that I am much more of a student than I am a teacher or an expert. Like I am learning every single day. I am consuming new information like it's coming from a fire hydrant on a New York City hot day. I just want to consume. So this conversation means a lot to me because I love ideating. And I think that we're in the driver's seat of creating the future. We are going to be creating those educational resources. So thank you for the opportunity of sharing this platform with amazing listeners. Oh, and it is so exciting and such a cool time to be in because it is changing so much as well. Like you do have to keep learning, like regardless of how much even the most expert person that's actually creating is still learning because everything is new and then you put it out to the masses and they use it in a different way than perhaps we ever anticipated. So it's something that I think you could never actually be on top of right now, which um, is fun. And so for those that that are listening like, gosh, Web3, Web2, what are we even talking about? There are lots of episodes on that if you jump back. But I think the easiest way that I've ever heard it explained is that Web2 is, you know, what we're used to. And the internet started off as read-only. You know, it was those pages that if you were around back then, you maybe learned HTML or CSS and started to code and made something that you could only read and not interact with. 
then Web2 kind of moved to that place where you can interact. So what we know now, like Facebook and Twitter, where you can actually engage and comment on the page, but somebody else owns that information. And then Web3, where we're heading to, is the exciting place where you can read and you can write, but you can actually own all of your information as well, which is just this whole new space to play in. And I'm so excited to break it down, especially from a creative's perspective, you know, what this means for us moving forward. So there's so much that we can cover today. Now, Jasmine, before we jump in any further, the question that we ask everybody to the podcast is what was your very first crypto purchase and when was it? And do you still have it now? Yes. I will start backwards with the questions. Yes, I still have it now. My very first purchase, I thought it was going to happen on May 5th, 2021. But Gary Vaynerchuk's debut of V Friends, which was originally supposed to happen in May 5th, 2021, because the number five is his favorite number. Uh, the tech wasn't ready, so he decided to push it out. So he pushed it out about a month. So actually, today, at the I don't know, do we mention the time of this recording? Can yeah, you yeah of course. The date is June 2nd. It's actually my one-year anniversary of owning my very first NFT, which is a V friend. So I jumped in, and it was under Gary's tutelage and the content that he was creating. And I just dove in. I didn't know anything of what I was doing. And I was like, what's a hot wallet? What's a cold wallet? what is this thing called MetaMask? I mean, it was just, I, I knew nothing. And I was just literally consuming all of the content that him and his team were putting out. And on the day that his project dropped, I didn't have the ability to sit in front of my computer. I was on my way to a doctor's appointment and my husband and I, we had done everything together. And I'm like, if you love me, if you love me, like <laughs> I need I need this NFT. And so at the time he was kind of like, okay, great. I don't really understand why it means so much. And I'm like, you don't get it. It just means the world to me. And I think that I turned into a version of like Baruch Assault from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, but I want an NFT and I want it now. And so I'm on the freeway and I'm on the cell phone and he's like, Jasmine, this site keeps on crashing. I was like, keep on refreshing. We need it today. Not realizing that it was a Dutch auction and he was going to be releasing part of the project over a sequence of five days. But I'm like, no, I need it on the first day. I don't know. So I dove in head first and it was such a great learning opportunity. It was like a really great experience. I didn't know what I was doing, but it was just like this amazing free fall. I think that is the best way to learn as well. Like it's slightly terrifying, especially the stress and pressure of that yes. particular situation. Yes. But it is the only way you can learn in this space because there's not like, well, they're starting to be university courses. But as we said, it moves so fast that you, again, they're just not relevant. Good luck. God bless anybody who wants to start like a university course on NFTs or Web3. Like it literally changes in 24 hours. 24 hours, there's a whole new set of rules. At the time of this recording, nobody, if we had peeled back 45 days, if we peeled back a month and a half, nobody would have ever anticipated the downfall of Terra Luna. You know, nobody would have ever anticipated that, that there would be so much turning upside down of what's going on in the industry. And as crazy as it sounds, it's exciting. We're sitting on the forefront and we're watching history happen. And as long as we go in with eyes wide open and here to learn, because it's so early that I'm just like, Heck yes. Like, let's hang on for the ride. Like, I'm in it for the long haul. Yes. And having a V-Friend that early as well, gosh, that would have been a great return for you as well. Like that project in particular, when we talk around utility, you know, there's so much utility involved, especially with those early V-Friends. Yeah. Which one did you get? I got the Loyal Lobster, which is great because there's been a lot of like merchandise released. So we talk about utility. It's 
what can you do with your NFT? Oftentimes you're buying the NFT just for the art. You like the collectible of it. Gary went in with a very strong intention of the utility. When somebody says utility, it's just what can you do with your NFT? And so he said that what you're essentially buying is a three-year pass to his conference, an NFT conference called VCon. And then you get the NFT as part and parcel proof that you get access to it. But then where somewhere along the line, he decided to really expand his offering. And so they're offering like merchandise on certain V friends. And one of the V friends in their first launch of merchandise was the Loyal Lobster. So of course, you know, I had to buy the sweater that said Loyal on it and had a like yes. lobster on the arm. But, you know, if I could do anything over again, and I'm sure a lot of people feel this way in Web3, it's like, I wish I would have bought 30, 50, 100 of this project. Now, at the time, I just wasn't even in the financial space to be investing in that capacity. But if I knew then what I know now, I would have been like, bet the farm, like bet the farm. Like right now, what they are selling for, like my husband's like, you could sell your lobster and and make a lot of money. I'm like, I know, but I'm not like I'm here for the long haul. I am going to hold. Definitely. And I think the, I guess with Gary, it's kind of that long-term play and vision as well. Like he's just right. done V2, which we'll, we'll touch on in a separate episode as well, because we've just had someone come back from VCon, which is super exciting. So we're going to unpack everything that happened over there. I was there too. I went. Were you? Was it amazing? <laughs> it was. Yeah. It was. It was. So cool. But like his V2 that have just come out as well. Like if you were an original holder, you now get access to that as well and trading cards and all these different things. You can kind of see this big long-term play that he has as well, which I think is so different. Now yourself coming from a background as a creator and as someone who is now teaching people, how do you think that all of this is going to change how we as, I guess, creators interact with the world? I have been watching so intently and So when iPhone dropped and they said, there's this thing called apps that you can have on your iPhone. One of the very first popular apps was an app that when you download it, you can hold your phone in front of your mouth. And it was a mouth that just changed. It was smiling. It was sad. It was laughing. And that was the most popular app. And people looked at that app and were like, that's great, but who cares? We are even earlier in Web3 at that point. So right now people are like, well, how can we as creators? And I'm like, yes, but we're asking like, how can we create the Smiley Laffy app when there's so much that's going to happen that for us to even say, well, this is what you can do. It's so, so small. But as creators, what immediately, like right now, right now, the best time to be a digital artist, you know, you can create a project, you can create a piece of art and you can sell it. And whereas before there was a lot of red tape, there was a lot of ways and reasons why you would be excluded from the pantheon of art critics and art galleries. And now everything's been flipped on its head and said, do you have people who want to buy your art? the market is never wrong. We don't need an art critic. We don't need a canon. We don't need a curator. We don't need an editor. We don't need a docent. We don't need a gallery. We don't need tickets. We don't need a gift shop. What you need is the market. And what Web3 is basically, and for all intents and purposes, you could be an artist and you're putting your artwork out on Instagram for years. And guess what? People saw it, but it didn't belong to you. And now what the future then can become is that not only will you be a participant in sharing your artwork, you will be compensated 
for putting your artwork out and compensated for when people transact on your art and every transaction thereafter. That is what I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt, 100% my truth. Do I know exactly how it will turn out beyond that? Not exactly, but that alone should be enough of a sip of what the future has and how we're saying the game is changed. We don't need anybody else but our customer. And that to me is so empowering and so exciting. And in all industries as well, like we touched on artists, but then it it goes so much further than that. Like when you talk about NFTs, it's not just restricted to art, which is what instantly comes to so many of our minds because that's the first ideation of it. But you talk about, you know, we had a great episode the other week with Joey Pereira and we're talking about NFTs in terms of houses and that your house contract could be an NFT. Like there's so many ways. And then who does that get rid of? Well, that gets rid of a hell of a lot of people in the middle as well. So it's just, again, condensing and giving that control and ownership, like we spoke about with Web3 at the start, that ownership is such a big piece of this, which I think is so exciting. A hundred percent. And like, let's think about different derivatives. Sure. Your house, like think about every big monumental transaction that you have in your life that you want to own. And you don't want it to sit in a piece of paper in a bin in your garage. Think about that. Think about every monumental thing. So what would it look like for us to have our medical records as NFTs? Mm. I would like that. I don't like that when I switch a doctor, I have to go through all of this red tape to get somebody to mail a file of paper to a different doctor. That is the most archaic thing. What would it look like? Because there is going to be an opportunity for us to have our college. I went to, I, well, I dropped out of law school, but I went to college. Why is not my diploma an NFT? Why would I not want to have that in my wallet the same way that people have it around their license plate? There are big things. I could absolutely positively see how it would change how we pursue every avenue of our life. A hundred percent. I don't know exactly how, but I can see how it could. Mm. And coming back to that authenticity piece, like even coming back to designer bags, like I know so many of our listeners will be like, oh yes, I could, I could understand this designer bag to keep talking. So having a designer bag, like if you have an NFT that's associated with that, which we're seeing some of the fashion houses do now, mm. that guarantees the authenticity of that bag. There's one NFT that's on blockchain that cannot be changed. It's immutable. That proves that that is the owner of the bag. You don't have to go to an authenticity place to get it verified. You just have your NFT that gets sold with the bag that says it's real. Like mm-hmm. that alone, for me personally, that, that alone is game changing. Mm-hmm. I could see how fashion houses would be incentivized. So think about this. Think of an atelier, let's say Christian Dior, and they create their haute couture pieces. And nothing, in fact, changes about the mechanism of the dress that they're designing. The dress in and of itself is put out. And as an atelier, it is an art piece thousands, hundreds of hours are worked on this particular dress. And so as part and parcel of it, it is sold. And what if, I'm not saying they will, but it could, what if they sold the dress and a part of that was an NFT as proof that you are in fact owner of a Christian Dior Atelier designer gown. And thereafter, if at some other point in time, the person who wears it, let's just say JLo happens to wear this haute couture design. And then she wants to donate it to the Smithsonian. Or let's say the JLo estate, once she passes, which I hope is not for a very, very long time, but after her estate decides to donate it to the Smithsonian, well, there is no doubt beyond a shadow that Christian Dior was atelier because the NFT is associated with that dress. There's just a lot of authenticity just for no other reason 
well then outside of an outward facing swag brag, like I have this dress to actually this thing that matters to a lot of people now is proof that it is in fact what it says it is. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's so exciting. And we can talk about this for hours and hours. I know. Hours. I know. We like, it just goes on and yeah. on, which is so exciting. Now, going back to you and your journey, because you have only been in this space for 12 months since the first purchase, mm-hmm. how did you start to learn about all things cryptocurrency? Because you know so much. And I, you've got this incredible series on your podcast, which I am excited to touch on as well. But how did you start to learn about this? I, my husband and I own our company and one of our lead developers is really into the space. And we started talking about it. And I have to say, much like people who are very new to the space, it sounded a lot like womp, 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 womp. And I'm like, I don't understand this language that you're speaking. It makes no sense. And so as the daughter of an immigrant, I saw my father navigate the waters of learning English even many years after he had come to the United States. And so whenever I dive into something new, learning calculus, learning a different language, learning how to drive, is that quite honestly, the best way to do anything is to plop yourself in the middle of the country of the language you're trying to learn and find your way to the bathroom. That's just it. Find your way to some water, find your way to some food. And so I plopped myself buying my very first NFT. And um, it was just like maybe a month or two before that, trying just to figure out how do I actually do the transaction? How, how do I actually buy ETH? How do I set up a wallet? What does that look like? And then from there on, I just was like, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get comfortable being uncomfortable. I'm gonna listen to podcasts where I don't understand anything that they're saying. I don't know what a blue chip is. I don't know what staking is. I don't know what an airdrop is. So I just was like, I'm just going to listen to people talk, not knowing what they were saying. And I understand that that is not how most people learn. It's not. It's just how I learn. I plopped myself in the middle. I kept on listening to the same things. And then I went to Google. What is a blue chip? What is an airdrop? What is an NFT? What's a DAO? And then I started having conversations with Daniel, one of the members of our team. And then I said, you know what, Daniel? I learned best when I share what I know. So how about we create a five-part series on my podcast just to kind of get started and see the response that we get. And that was the start of public-facing creating content. And that started just barely at the beginning of late February, 2022. So not very long at all. It's amazing. And I think as well, like as we touched on the start, you have to learn like this in this space and at least be comfortable with not understanding. I think when I very first started looking at trying to explain to someone what cryptocurrency was, it took me weeks of listening to so many different articles and so many different podcasts to try and articulate what was in my brain and what I understood myself into something that I could explain and articulate to someone else because it's just a concept that's so big and it breaks your mind to think about it like because it's so new and you think about you know our grandparents with iPhones and new technology like that hurts their mind because it's new and so this I think for younger generations it's just going to be second nature it's just going to be the thing that they grow up with and it's fine and they all are experts in it but for us it's like if you want to be involved and you don't want to be left behind you have to be okay with not understanding for a period of time. Yeah. For, I mean, I don't know. Your, your listeners are probably much smarter than I am. It took me a while. I mean, it takes me a while now. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it, but I always want to be a perpetual learner. I always want to be the dumbest person in the room because then I know I'm in the right room. When you're the smartest in the room, it's time to find a new room. Anything that Web3, it's just a, a series of a bunch of new rooms. 
Yes, yes. And touching on all things crypto and NFTs, what does your journey look like now after purchasing your first one? Where did you go to from there? I purchased my first one and then I just sat and I waited, very similar to how I first started investing in stocks. And actually how I start any journey in my life. The first time I ever ventured to Europe, I have a twin sister and she's the kind of person that would just go up and just start talking to people. Even if she didn't know the language, she would just gesture and people just fell in love with her. And I was always the person who just watch. I just want to watch. I want to take in the entire scene and very similar to investing in stocks. I come from a very, very, very blue collar family. We got government assistance. We did not have money, investments, money, or wealth that was never on our radar. When my husband and I started a series of businesses, we found ourselves in a situation where we actually had to learn how do we invest and how do we diversify our income and how do we turn it into wealth? And so we started studying and watching the stock market and slowly dipping our toes into stocks and then finding what suited our portfolio the best. Similar to what's happening with NFTs, I have been very judicious with what I've been buying. I have never been a collector for collector's sake. I am just watching the projects. I'm watching the rise, the decline, the rise, rise, decline, decline, decline. I'm watching it all. And I believe very similar to how things happened in web two, like there was a big bubble, right? Like you had Chewy.com and you had like AOL and you had all these like huge, huge AKA projects. These were websites that you're like, oh, they're invincible. They're the giants. And then all of a sudden the tech bubble burst in Silicon Valley. And at the time, Prior to hitting the market, these had like billion dollar valuations. And at this day, they're not even worth a fraction of what their initial valuation was at because the market had to recalibrate. And so in my mind, what I wanted to do is I wanted to invest in projects that I saw long-term that I'm like, come what may, I'm just a part of the project. I'm a part of the project. And what I think is happening, which we see right now is a lot of volatility, a lot of like a reckoning in the market. And, you know, Warren Buffett said, that you should invest when people are scared and you should be scared when people are investing. And so right now I'm just waiting. There is going to be a massive reconciliation. Gary Vaynerchuk has been saying that 90% of the projects are going to go to zero. 90%. So 90% of looking at somebody's wallet will go to zero. My objective right now is to assess when I suspect that kind of like zero point is and go in and buy my quote unquote Amazon and Tesla stock at when I think it's the lowest because I've been able to watch the game. I've been able to watch the operators. I've been able to watch what's been happening. And I will say on the back of all of this, you are still standing and I believe in what we're doing. I'm going to buy and then hold again. I'm very, very, very uh, conservative. And that's when we look back at crypto in general or any market, that's where wealth can be made because it is those opportunities where you can see really clearly what's going on. And yeah, of course, you need to do your own research and there's always going to be risk associated with it. But if you can do that, I think a bear market, a lot of people get so scared about and so many people are so upset about, rightfully so. If you haven't put the stop losses in, you haven't protected yourself, you haven't done your research along the way, of course, there's going to be a lot of people that are hurting right now. But if you can then step back and use this as an opportunity to really look at what's going on, as you said, and the tech and the projects and the people and the things that are being built and go, oh, well, actually, yeah, I do see a long-term future with this. I can see their roadmap. I can see the team that's involved in this. And I actually believe that this is going to be something we need as society. Well, then you buy and then you get in. And that's when, if you look back to 2017, the people who have bought their Lamborghinis and are driving around with Bitcoin number plates, they're those people that got in back then and they held when it was terrifying. They held when everything went to zero. And again, 
you're so right in that the bear market or this sideways action that we're seeing right now is going to get rid of a lot of projects because they just won't weather it. They'll give up. It's too hard. And that's really, really sad. But there's also some ones that are really going to come out shining because they believe in what they're doing and they have the backing and support to do that as well. Absolutely. And I love your journey on this and how you've been so forthcoming with sharing and breaking it down in a really easy to understand way. I think even this whole conversation, there'll probably be a lot of light bulb moments for listeners that are like, oh, I get this now. Like, this is what they've been talking about for all this time, which is so good for yourself personally. And again, touching back on on a creator space and where you think this ownership piece is going to go. What are you most excited about that you've seen happen in the last 12 months? Like, what have you seen that you think is really powerful for the space? You know, I mean, obviously I'm biased. I'm a BFF project endorser. I am a founder. Uh, so the BFF project is founded by Britt Morin and Jamie Schmidt. They set out to create an education and equality for women and LGBT community in Web3. They said that this is a massive shift in the way that wealth is built and the way that finances are created. And yet it seems to be that the same group of people seem to be dominating this space. So they wanted to create an equalization. And so they said, we're going to come up with a project that is by women and for women. And so the two founders set out 50 co-founders. And our objective was to get together and spread the word. And I just couldn't be more proud to see that they are high operators. They hail from Silicon Valley. They've built a multitude of successful businesses. And this has become a labor of love and also a value. It has been such an incredible project because what they want to do more than anything is get educated. And it's really, really, really great because uh, late April is when we minted. And since that point, more than 90% of the people who minted have held on to their PFP. And I think it's such a great sign that people are about the project, even in the bear market. It's really an incredible thing to see it. More than 60% of the people who minted, it was their very first NFT. So this is like a huge shift in equalizing the way that women are showing up in Web3, empowering them that this could be like their gateway to educate, to build a community or to be a part of the community and then learn how to interact on other communities and in, therefore like invest in and diversify their wallets thereafter. Mm, and I think for coaches and creators, this is an opportunity to really think about NFTs in a different way. To think about it as access to a community, mm-hmm. because that's kind of what you get with my BFF. Like you get an amazing bracelet, you get a JPEG, you get an image, but you also get access to this community and a membership, which if you think about it like that, it's like, oh, well, that makes sense. And same almost with Gary Vee, you know, you get access to that event and it feels more like a ticket in that sense than a membership. But that's, I think, where there's so much opportunity, especially, you know, there's so many online coaches and there's so many people with online courses if you could provide access to a community and it just happened to be an NFT that did that, which then could get sold, which then had royalties. Like, you know, there's so many different ways to now start thinking about this, which I think, again, is just that next evolution and breakdown here. I do. And I, I think, like, think about this, like, similarly, because I think that what happens is, like, people butt up against, well, should it be an NFT if there isn't an, a necessary inherent change to what it is you're getting? Like, so... I get access to a group. Well, I've always had access to a group, but the way that you get access to the group is by way of NFT. Is the NFT really necessary at that point? Now, I believe that the way that that question would be answered is based on your belief and capacity to grow and succeed and build your brand. And this is where I'm like, maybe it's just a little too savage of me for me to admit, 
But if you believe that you have the makings to be in the top of whatever it is you do as a coach, as a creator, if you believe that you have the capacity to be in the top 10% of what you do and what you create, then an NFT would increase in value over time. Let's take an example. Let's say that you firmly believe, you firmly believe you're the next Tony Robbins. Good for you. You believe it. If you believe that you are going to be the next Tony Robbins and there's going to be massive demand for your time, your energy, and access to you, then you have to know that your NFT will increase in value over time based on what? Not more offerings. On demand. That your NFT becomes the ticket to access and proximity. Now, if you are questioning whether or not you would have enough demand for people to want to say invest in your coaching, then an NFT, it might not mean much because year after year, if you have like a six week coaching session for $600 and it stays the same for many years thereafter, then an NFT probably, eh, it's a toss up. Do you need it? But if you think that you're starting in a career, you have a six week coaching session for $600 and that you think two years later, you think that six week coaching session could be $6,000 and you had people invest in that NFT originally for, let's just say whatever the equivalent of ETH is for $600, that the person who invested in you two years early has the ability to then sell access to your six week coaching program that is now worth $6,000. And guess what? The person who owns the NFT gets a cut and you get a cut. Mm-hmm. That's the game change. That's a game change. Definitely. And I think it's like going from the increase in value is an incredible concept that you need to consider. Like if you, if you even think about this, like that is such an incredibly important question to ask yourself. I think the other is, is there still demand for your service? That same Absolutely. thing, like Vcon, great example. Everybody wants to go year after year after year. You could sell it now because someone wants to go next year. They're already so excited. They have no idea who's going to be there. No idea about the speakers. Same with the membership and my BFF. People don't know what's going to happen next year, but they want to be part of it. So if you can create that demand and that hype and people are going to want to still be part of your journey, yes, NFTs make sense. Of course they do which is so exciting. So Jasmine, looking back at your journey and everything that you've learned today, we touched on something at the start, but is there anything that you wish you knew or you could go back in time to tell yourself before you started, aside from buying multiple, multiple bay friends? (laughs) You know, I think it would have been okay for me to really ask for help and speak up when I didn't understand what was being said. And I grew up this way. It's a Jasmine thing. It's oftentimes I'm afraid of betraying how little I know about a subject. So it's better for me to keep my mouth shut and be presumed a fool than to open my mouth and confirm it. And that's how I rate, that's how I grew up. And now what I'm trying to step into is to be a happy fool, is to be a learned fool, is to be a knowledgeable fool, is that we are all fools until we acquire the knowledge that we want. So for me to have the courage and to speak to anybody else, what I wish I knew 12 months ago was to ask and ask and ask. And if there was ever a community, Web3 is filled with people who want to help. We're so excited about the future that I have yet to meet a single person in a forum, on a subreddit, or in a Discord that someone's like, well, look at this idiot. It's been far the opposite. It's, hey, let me share what I know. And so if you're feeling nervous, if you're feeling confused, ask the question. There are so many people who want to help because we have all been there and we're all learning. 
Yes, it is. It's such a beautiful community. I think because people are so passionate about it as well. And as we keep saying, we're all still learning together. We're happy to have the conversations because we feel like we're probably learning from them anyway or reinforcing that belief. Absolutely. Definitely. (laughs) Oh, Jasmine, it's been incredible talking to you. Now we'll pop everything in the show notes, including the links to your podcast series, because it's always good. Sometimes it takes, you know, listening to things three, four, five times from different people to really make it click. So if you haven't listened to them, guys, definitely go and check it out. There's amazing content and value in there as well. But for someone who wants to find you right now, where can they go? They can go to jasminestar.com or on all social platforms at jasminestar. And yes, I do respond to my Instagram direct messages. So if you have questions, drop me a line. I appreciate this opportunity to talk and connect. And I'm so excited to see how you are pushing Web3 forward. It's been an honor to be here. Oh, it's so good. And yeah, I can't wait as we we kind of touched on off mic that this conversation is probably going to be something that we look back on in probably six months and go, wow, yeah, cool. It's changed so much <laughs> in six months, which is just what happens in this space. But thank you so much for joining us today. It's been amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon. 